This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough. And the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you. So you can always depend on us. Call, clickgranger.com. Or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Support for this episode is brought to you by Mrs. Myers. A delightfully clean home can make for a delightful start to the day. At Mrs. Myers, everything we make is inspired by the garden. With plant-derived ingredients, our cleaning products work like the Dickens, leaving your home sparkly clean and your to-do list tackled in no time. So bring a little bit of the outside inside your four walls and bask in the wonder of a garden from the comfort of home. Mrs. Myers, rooted in goodness. Shop now at MrsMyers.com. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Weekly Podcast for the week of January 7th. I'm your host, William Lou. Apologies that uh, it's a bit of a break during the holidays. Couldn't get people to come on the show, although really one of them was just a recording error. Lost a whole lot of goodness with Joe Wolfon. But uh, to make up for that, got Dan Reynolds. Another, another weekly favorite. Am I indeed a weekly favorite? I didn't realize. People like when you come on. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, I- I'm going to try and fill Joel Wolf on shoes. Those are some pretty big shoes. I got, well, I'll, I'll do my best. Well, all right. You got to be very humble and constantly self-effacing, even though he's clearly a brilliant writer. I know. It's great. He's good at everything. I don't know. Yeah. He's in, He's. I mean, basketball, he's good too. Yeah. He's got a motor. How's your team going? Well, we, we're not playing this season. And, oh, uh, okay. We had a very Raptors-esque postseason. Oh, Lord. Where we were a top team. Uh-huh. We were the upper seed sort of a middle of the pack team but the upper seed we were like the we were like the 07 raptors we kind of surprised some people we did pretty well mm-hmm. we finished a three seed but then we lost to the lower seed oh god yeah what was, was that the was that the hito turkulu year or was that the uh richard jefferson year what 07 yeah that was nets right yeah that was the one that was when they played uh vince yeah oh god as luck I would have it we would have to play vince carter i know yeah, i know I remember both those years because I remember being very excited to like watch them in the postseason, and then like both yeah. times game ones they just got destroyed, and you're just like, why do we do this to ourselves? Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, and in retrospect, that that team wasn't that good. Like, no, it was. 
it, when you look at the roster, it was really not that good. We were relying on Jose and TJ Ford. Yeah. Um, Garbajosa was on that team. Was that before or after he broke? No, oh eight was when he broke his foot, right? Yeah, I'm broke his sure. leg. That was awful. That was one of the I, worst injuries I, I've ever seen. I always forget the timing of that. I don't think he ever actually played in the postseason for the Raptors. Oh, because uh, unfortunate. Think, he was big for us. Yeah, and then like and, Danny and, Green. Yeah, exactly. He he was the Danny Green type of guy who could settle things down and make big plays. And then I think I always forget he. I think it was the first season he played for us. He hurt his ankle. He hurt his ankle. He broke his leg, and then yeah. he came back. But he was never quite the same. And then it was like a whole controversy, and then that was it. Mm. It was a sad end to a guy who, like, I shook his hand once. He was at a Raptors game. I walked as he walked by. Mm-hmm. I was sitting in a good seat, and I and I shook his hand. That was pretty good. Yeah, back then a good seat was like I don't know fifty dollars. Well, I uh, yeah, basically yeah. Yeah. And now you can't even get into the arena for fifty. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about uh, this version of the Raptors in 2019. It is. I mean, it's been a bit of an up-and-down season because, you know, there's been a lot of injuries and the Raptors went through this cold stretch. But um, after that Spurs game, which let's just not talk about the Spurs game. They didn't show up. It was really sad. Um, We're happy for DeMar that he got his triple-double and got his revenge. But, you know, it's weird. The the revenge energy was weird because it was like, uh, look how determined DeMar DeRozan is to get revenge on the Raptors for wronging him. But, like, I never saw that energy when he went up against LeBron ever. Yeah, you would think you know after like getting swept um, and losing in the playoffs, you're like, all right, come out and get revenge on J.R. Smith. But no, J.R. Smith shot seventy five percent from three. It is it is kind of funny to consider like like that. First off, that mm-hmm. game very much was like the the O seven playoff energy in that like everyone was excited. Oh man, yeah. Kawhi's going to go on his sort of like you know he's going to really try and kill the, the San Antonio sort of mood. And instead, like within five minutes, it was like. And I was watching with friends, and we were all looking at each other, just going like, "Well, like, what do we do now? Like, like this game's over." Yeah, you know. And it was just like, "Oh, yeah, I guess that's it." And I and I think you're right. It's funny that like DeRozan was just in command. Like, oh make, yeah, getting the rebounds and everything. Like, exactly. He was working hard, man. Defensively, he was solid too. Like, yeah, you're just like it's good to see oh, that. Yeah, like maybe if you'd done that, maybe <laughs> you know, once or twice, maybe. Or was this against J.R. Smith and? Uh... Oh, God, whoever else the Cavs would ever put on him. But, uh, yeah, I mean, look, that game was obviously regrettable, but the Raptors bounced back, I think, appropriately, um, mm-hmm. defeating the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, the starting unit outscored the Milwaukee Bucks um, by themselves. Uh, I think the starters had 118 points and the Bucks had 116. So that was a very impressive performance. Um, we were talking uh, on New Year's Eve um, about sort of the Raptors as a whole and sort of um, – you know, where the Raptors stand within the East, how they stack up against different teams, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, what they might need to do at the trade deadline. So let's just pick up a conversation there. I think, you know, during that talk, we both agree that the Bucks are the biggest threat to the Raptors. Yes. I think there's a, there's, I mean, there's a, there's a couple of reasons for this. Obviously, one is you got Giannis Antetokounmpo, mm-hmm. who is, like, you know, obviously a very fearsome player. He went off for 43 points last night. I didn't even realize he had that many yeah. until... Because I thought the Raptors played good defense, but then you look at the box score, you're like, holy yeah. shit. Just off transition and then those random threes he would hit? Yeah, the ra- the random threes were yeah. crazy. If he's going to hit those, that's trouble. But I will say that there were some times where they, you know, Pascal and Kawhi, like they got into him, Danny Green, like they got in and Surge too. Mm-hmm. They yeah, into, great game from Surge. Yeah, they didn't They didn't just let him run to the net. There were a couple of times where, yeah, the, the penetration from someone else would break the team down and then, you know, he would get an easy dunk. 
but okay. But but at the same time, they did a they did as good a job you could at frustrating him. Mm-hmm. And I think it, you know it's funny actually. <laughs> Leo Rollins is making a good point in the broadcast. There were the, a couple times where where Giannis did get to the rim. It was because the Raptors were sort of trying to slap the ball out of his hands or reaching in on him. And it's better to just play back on him. And guys like Green did a very good job of like when they got switched on him, they would just sort of stand their ground and wait for him to make a decision. And it 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 did do enough to sort of get the Bucks discombobulated. Mm-hmm. Still, he is a fearsome player, and you definitely and he, the the fans and the crowd, everything goes nuts because he is just he can like just do crazy things. So when you couple that with like the Bucks' length, yeah, and their shooting, which can really catch fire. I mean. It did for stretches last night, and it has in the the other games where they beat the Raptors. Uh, you know, they're a tough matchup. And then on top of the fact that they have like the spiritual Raptor killer essence with you know Thon Maker on the bench, George. I'm surprised Thon Maker didn't play because yeah. Ilyasova. I mean, usually a Raptor killer, but I think he was just coming back from injury. He just wasn't yeah. ready, and I I don't even see any point in playing DJ Wilson. So yeah, well, he's now injured. But I mean, yeah. the good here is unlike previous times they played the Bucks. Pascal Siakam can make a lot of their forwards pay. Like Ilya Sova yep. can't really guard him. Mm-hmm. When they went small and they still had Brook Lopez on the floor, that was a big miss. Brook Lopez totally killed in this game; just couldn't yeah. do anything uh, uh, because they hounded him on the perimeter and he and he didn't. And they were almost coaxing him into trying to play in the post. It was funny because the Raptors would switch their little guards on him almost intentionally. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. Again, like sort of enticing them to go. Oh yeah, yeah. Get go to Brook Lopez in the post. Maybe he'll get a bucket, uh-huh. but. There were a couple of times there were Fred Van Vliet basically ma- mashed up with him and like just wouldn't really give up the ground or, or sort of har- harassed him enough that it mm-hmm. kind of got him out of his comfort zone. And so I, I think there's still a dangerous matchup, but but it is kind of that game was instructive to see uh, like how they match up with them. The problem, of course, and this is what we're getting to, it became very clear that without Lowry and Valanciunas, they basically had five players they could count on. Yeah, and with Lowry. And Valanciunas, you have six and a specialist in Valanciunas because you can sort of, you know, I mean, when they played him in the playoffs, he basically got run out of the series. And with Lopez, you can sort of see how he could be used. Mm -hmm. But it also strikes me that it might be better to not match up against Lopez at all with Valanciunas. That's what I'm saying. I think it probably makes more sense to play smaller just because if Brooke decides to post up your guys, um, you know, that's almost a win for you because you'd much rather have Brooke Lopez posting him, even Fred Van Vliet, than the rest of the Bucks running their offense. Yes. And shooting threes and whatnot. And, um, and yeah, I don't think you could really score consistently on Lopez in the post or get a lot of rebounds because he is a really good, just he's really good at boxing out. He doesn't really rebound himself, but he, he's really good at boxing out. And he's a massive guy. I don't think you want to, I, I think what the Raptors did yesterday was perfect, right? They had spacing from all five positions in the starting unit. They were mm-hmm. able to run pick and pop every single time with, yeah. uh, you know, Serge Ibaka. The Bucks. They know they can't really defend the rim, even though they're great. Like they're great in the paint. Like it's weird. It's a it's a strange thing, but they're great because they only ever put Brook Lopez in the paint, and all the yeah. big men just stay in the paint. Yeah. Um, and so what they're giving up is that pick and pop jumper every single time. And so that's and why Serge has averaged twenty six points a yeah. game against the Bucks. Yeah, it just so happens Ibaka. That's like his bread and butter. You yeah. you want they eventually have to try and adjust that, or if it's just like. We'll give it to you because they're going to count on maybe Ibaka going through a cold stretch, which, I mean, it's possible. But, I mean, he's been playing very well against them so far. Yeah, he's very confident against the Bucks too. I think, um, you know, having played the Bucks, I think, helps him there. But even the Pascal point, right? I mean, he's had 30 points last night on 11 of 15 shooting with a couple threes. I think he's basically baby Giannis, right? Like, you could see the similarities in these two games. Yeah. Um, 
But um, yeah, I mean, it's the same thing. Like we talked about Giannis hitting those threes. It just really, uh, it's just our back, just backbreakers. Yeah. And same thing with Pascal. He hit three threes. Um, but then he also had 17 in the loss to Milwaukee at home. And also he had 22 in the first game against Milwaukee. That was a blowout. But, you know, uh, Raptors were shorthand in that one. Like he's he's had a lot of success. He's averaging over twenty as well. So mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't change the calculus of what the Raptors can do when you yeah. have him because because he does. But it, it, he is a guy you have to cover, and they don't necessarily because if you have to deal with him and Kawhi, there's and only Serge. one. Giannis. Yeah, there's only one Giannis, right? Like I mean, yeah. you know, you've got Middleton out there running around doing other stuff on the perimeter, and then you've got a bunch of other for, the forward core there is an Astro. Their backcourt. I wrote this in my recap. The, the the Bucks backcourt is very, I feel like it's very strong. Like when, when yeah. Brogdon was just doing anything he wanted, yeah, he just shoved people out of the way, man. He's I mean it's not even a foul. He's just really really strong. He, he was very good. Bledsoe had his moments, although Bledsoe can yeah, he sort of, faded. Yeah, he, he always can, does though. He can sort of play himself into a corner sometimes, but but uh, but still there there was enough force there. And again, we've talked about this before. Lowry and Fred can mm-hmm. sometimes be. Uh, taken out of the game because they just can't match up with that size and speed, yeah, and strength and strength. But uh, but um, I mean credit to them. Like Fred had a great game too, and he and he was playing. He, I mean, it, when you hit threes, it, when you go five for seven from three, it really helps. But you know, he was playing. He played a pretty strong game. I mean, what is the role of the point guard in this specific series, right? Because I think um, obviously Kyle went scoreless in the last matchup, and I think yeah. if Kyle didn't go scoreless, Raptors win that game. Obviously, that's a big if. Um, but, I mean, still, like, these two games against uh, the Bucks, like, the one that the Raptors lost by five at home and then this one where the Bucks lose by seven, um, you know, at, at their place. Like, I think it really shows that these two teams are well-matched. But I think, um, you know, in that game, Kyle kind of tried to play the same game that Van Vliet played uh, last night. But Van Vliet, he succeeded because he just hit those three shots, like, uh, in the fourth quarter. And he, he was just consistently hot from three. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think... All you really need from your point guard in this series is if you come off the pick and roll and um, first off, there's going to be a lot of room. So I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities for Kyle to pull up because the big man's not going to be there after the, yeah. after the screen. And also just feed Surge over and over and over again because Surge is such a threat in the series. And I think overall where the Raptors have been at their best uh, this season is when their three forwards in Ibaka, Siakam, and Kawhi are scoring. Like, yeah. that's when the Raptors have had their best games. And so the point guard's role in that situation is just to hit catch-and-shoot jumpers, which Van Vliet did yesterday at 5 of 8, yeah. um, and then also just distribute. Right? And if Kyle can just come back and, like, be reasonably healthy and hit open shots, yeah. I think that's less of an issue because they're going to be playing off ball so much that, you know, I don't think the Bucks guards, even though they're really good defensively, might not be able to neutralize them as much as you would think because they're not trying to drive at these guards. If you're trying to drive at Bledsoe or Brogdon, that's difficult. But yeah, yeah, yeah. especially if you're if you're yeah smaller or slower, like 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 uh, Lowry. Yeah, I, I think I mean at, at the expense of I don't want to simplify it too much, but yeah, that's basically the role. If Lowry and Fred VanVleet are hitting three point shots, mm-hmm. that's that like I am like they, they they that's what they have to be doing. And then basically, as you say, if they can run any sort of pick and roll game with Surge or JV, mm-hmm. you know, that's why I was encouraging actually see. Uh, Fred playing well with Serge. Uh, Eric Green wrote about this in the Athletic. He was yeah. saying that's something they hadn't quite had before. Yep. To develop that chemistry, you know, Lowry JV is a, is a lock. Like, yep. So the idea that those guys can start to play and find themselves in pick and rolls, it's really good. And then you, when you, if if Lowry, uh, Van Vliet, and I'll put Danny Green in that equation too. If they're hitting threes, I mean, because you know that's what the Bucks are going to be trying to do. They're going to yeah. go to Ogden Hill. 
Bledsoe, they're gonna they're gonna uh, Middleton, they're gonna try and shoot as many threes as they can. So the fact that basically the two teams shot even from three is is what you'd expect and what you what you're gonna need because the Bucks that's what their whole offense is built around. Yeah, and I think one thing, bit of a missed opportunity here, but um, you know with Kyle Lowry being out for so many games here, I would have really liked to see Kawhi Leonard run more of the offense because I think he needs to get comfortable. Um, occasionally as the main initiator because there are going to be matchups. Like I think this one, for example, against the Bucks, where it's not always uh, advisable to run your offense through the point guard in the pick and roll. Most teams you can do that, but there are certain teams that you won't be able to do that as well. And so in those games, I want to see Kawhi handle the ball. I want to see him run pick and roll. And I thought, to, um, or last night, I guess, Kawhi running pick and roll with Surge, that was also a pretty effective combination. There was like a pocket pass that Kawhi made to Surge. I mean, look, it's not that hard to play pick and pop with a big. That's no, like, that's that's right? one of it's the, like the best thing to do. If you're a point guard, you love the fact that you can play pick and pop because either you're getting an open layup or there's someone shooting a jumper. Yeah, and it's not it's not it's an easier pass to make yeah. than than trying to thread the pocket pass, especially against NBA defenses. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I always say in rec league, everyone wants to pick and pop, but 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 the that's the shots are lazy. <laughs> yeah, but but it's like but ironically in there, it's like yeah, the role would be better in the NBA. The role is tougher because uh-huh. of course. Yeah, you've got a lot of bodies, a lot of arms, a lot of you know, things happening. You're right. If you have if you have a, the luxury of a guy like Serge just standing at the elbow, you know, shooting sixty percent or whatever, it's like yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, and I think you're right about Kawhi. It's funny, like a game like Utah where he just against Utah where he just decided like yeah. one decided to just force the refs to make calls, but then he just like made, kept making plays. Mm-hmm. Here there were a couple of possessions where I think Fred did a little too much dribbling, or they had a weird time trying to get him the ball. Yeah, right then. There, someone commented on the recap in our, on, on HQ saying like there were a bunch of possessions on the stretch where Kawhi tried to do too much. But to me, it's like there's a, there's, there's a very comforting feeling from remembering that like yeah. he can just get a shot. Like he might miss the shot. Mm-hmm. But there were a couple there where it's like there was one baseline near the end there where he just like got to the baseline. It's like yeah. it's over. Like over Tony Snow. Yep. He's getting the shot and there's like – like it just feels like it's going in every time. Like, And I I like that feeling like you just know that like that's a good play and you can get it like eight times out of ten yeah i thought the raptors also made a concerted effort to go to Kawhi a little i thought Kawhi was fading a little bit towards the end like he did play a lot of minutes and those really high intensity minutes but um and that's why he's not playing on the second half of the back-to-back tonight which makes sense like you know if this was a blowout or whatever then yeah he would play but you know but um I think it also did help the Raptors' defense because I think the only one thing that the Raptors were more concerned with, not really with the scoring, because the Raptors were already nursing like an eight, nine-point lead. Yeah. All they really wanted to do was make sure the defense was set. And so uh, one benefit to having a guy go one-on-one like that, and especially, generally speaking, the Raptors kind of can predict what kind of shot he's going to take, and they're not crashing the glass. Yeah. They're able to consistently get their transition defense set. And I think yeah. that's one of the biggest things. They just didn't want to give up a lot of points really quickly to the Bucks, so that yeah. they can effectively kill it. So um, if you're – I mean, I asked Asad this yesterday, but I'm going to ask you. Um, if you're the Bucks and you're going against the Raptors uh, and you're going into the trade deadline, what kind of pieces are you looking to add? Because for me, I'm looking at uh, the number of players the Raptors can throw at Giannis and sort of be okay one-on-one. Uh, versus how many players the Bucks can throw at Kawhi, it's very different. The, the Bucks have, like, one player in Giannis and kind of Middleton if he gets handsy and the referees don't call anything that can handle Kawhi, whereas the Raptors have, like, four or five guys and they could kind of reasonably toss on Giannis. Yeah. Well, I mean, you said it the other day, and I, I, I tweeted at you, but they need another wing. They need, like, a guy, the, a guy that can match up in that spot. I guess the question, of course, just like the Raptors, 
who are these mythical guys that you can get? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's all nice to talk about how getting, well, the Bucks just need to add a power wing. It's like, well, sure. But just like the Raptors need to add more shooting or something. It's like, mm-hmm. but from where? Like I can't even begin to. I'll even like a Stanley Johnson. That's the thing. That's the guy I brought up yesterday, right? Like Stanley Johnson's very gettable. We've just seen like the kind of prototype for how to defend Kawhi effectively has been sort of that Stanley Johnson, Justice Winslow type of guy. And it's like, I don't know. There's obviously a downgrade in shooting, but I think it's not impossible to get a guy like that. Well, I mean, the, the, the are the Pistons just giving up on Stanley Johnson? He kind of sucks, man. Well, okay. Although, I mean, Dwayne Casey did call him the best defender to put on 23. Wow. I like that LeBron has tortured him so much that he can't even say his name. Well, yeah, it's it's like invoking the boogeyman or something. It's, it's like saying like, Voldemort, man. Just don't do it. Um, uh, I mean, I, I guess if you're going to make a play for that, I, I mean, like I said, I, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm at a loss for – I'm definitely not going to try and come up with a way to help improve the Bucks. Okay, but you can highlight on something that like is their – would be their obvious weakness. Uh, that that the Raptors just do have more guys, but it's ironic that I feel like the Raptors have more guys, and that yet somehow they have fewer guys. Like I felt like the mm. Bucks could bring in a few guys that, like, I mean, like I guess Snell, they've kind of whatever, he's just around. But it it did feel like this game, the fact that the Raptors basically couldn't play their bench, like in the third quarter when they yeah. started to push the lead up, and like Nick Nurse basically was like. Yeah, we're gonna just run the starters for as long as we can here and hope for the best, and then like trickle in the the handful of bench players. Not play Greg Monroe, not play C.J. Miles, and like just stagger like Norm and Delon, yeah. OG, and hope for the best. And then immediately when those guys played, the lead evaporated immediately. And then, and then immediately when they came out, the lead went back up. I mean, that was an like I mean. What do you do there? What do you do with those three guys now? Or like those four or five guys now? It felt like the bench was supposed to be the Raptors' strength. And I, I, yeah. Well, I, I think part of the issue is um, I think all year the Raptors' bench have sort of tried to adjust to the fact that they no longer have the same identity as they had last year. So mm-hmm. like everyone is in a new role. Um, and a lot of that is because they're just, their front court is just completely different, right? Like I don't Like last night, for example – like just watching Monroe and how lost he was in this specific matchup. And it's like, man, it's bad. And even if they had JV in there, it still would have been bad, right? I think part of it was on the guards. Like they should have fed the post more and just try to slow the game down and at least get back in transition. But, um, you know, these kind of – these first off, I mean, the guards are just not very good at implementing the offense. Like DeLon is not a guy who runs the offense. What's going on with him? What? What's going on with him, man? I don't, I, I don't know. know, but this is Delon, though, right? Like he oh, he's Terrence Ross, like he really is, right? There is ability there for sure. You can't deny the fact that he can change a game, but there's also a lot of games where he disappears, and he when will. he does, like the whole bench kind of goes with him, right? So yeah. I think the bench could really use a big, um, and whether that's JV or whether that's someone else. I mean, we talked about this at the bar, you know. The kind of guy you want against the Bucks is a guy who can help with the basket and like you know be tall and big and physical and just prevent a layup, uh, while also being able to hit a pick and pop jumper. That's it, right? Uh, but when you look around the league, it's tough. I mean, we talked about Kevin Love a little bit. I mean, he's probably way too expensive to get. Um, yeah. You know, other- you get like a Marc Gasol. I don't. I don't think you could put Gasol on the bench, really. But no. And the other options you talked about are like you know if you could you could. You could pry loose Robin Lopez, who would be an upgrade over Greg Monroe, but not like yeah, not significantly. He can't hit any jumpers, but at least he's good at defense. Yeah. And then and Thompson too, Tristan Thompson. If you made some yeah, sort of play for him, 
same thing, a good de- defender, but like on offense, I mean, JV is the better offensive player of those guys. I mean, yeah, Kevin Love is better, but yeah, you're right. That that that's ex- that's an expensive move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like I don't know, man. The the one thing with trading for a big right now is that like they're probably very cheap, right? Like you, if you like, I don't know what the Bucks want to do, or sorry, what the Bucks, what the the Jazz want to do with a guy like Derek Favors. But yeah. even a guy like that could work, you know. Yeah, but I mean, where does that fit into your? This like I mean, do you? I don't know. Like I just, I, it feels like the Raptors starting lineup is like the in one in one sense, it's like the 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 ideal, mm-hmm. in terms of what you want in the NBA. Like I don't want to tinker with that. Yeah. Line, and then you have then all you need is a big man specialist yep. and a skilled guard to sort of when you want to go downsize, which they have. All you really need they is have, like one. They have theoretically they have it right. Well, what, all you need, really need is one more wing, and that's what OG or DeLon are supposed to. They're supposed to be your your two, three, four, like the guys that can sort of flex between positions. Mm-hmm. They're not giving you anything. Yeah, nothing consistently. Yeah, yeah. Like at this point, it's like CJ Miles is out of the rotation. I, if he's not going to hit shots, he's completely useless. No, he's he's out of the rotation. Period. No, he's out. Like, yeah, yeah he's you, you can see it. And Powell is doing stuff. Like, I like his confidence. Yeah. Unlike like Delon, he doesn't. He will not. He refuses to disappear. Yeah. And sometimes that's maddening. But sometimes it's like, no, he makes a drive and he makes a good pass, and it's like, yeah. It's a good quality to have from a bench player, though. Like you need a little bit of determination, like almost a little bit too much confidence to come off the bench and succeed. Yeah, yeah and I feel like there are times, uh, you know, he'll sh- he'll shoot up a, an air ball three, and you kind of go, mm-hmm. okay, all right, settle down. But at the same time, it's like that's what he's there to do. Is he's there to try and break down the defense and yeah. you know shoot threes, and you know he tries it. He, do, he does what he's yeah. – and no offense, he's in there. He's trying to do what he can. I mean, yeah. I mean, if the Raptors could have, like, an Otto Porter type off the bench. I mean, again, this is pie-in-the-sky stuff because Otto yeah. Porter is getting paid a max contract. But that type of player coming off the bench. Or if Norm could be consistent. That's the issue, right? Because a lot of these bunch guys, like, they haven't been consistent to the point where you can count on these guys. And even if you look at it from the frame of, okay, look, you just need one of these guys to succeed – and come yeah. through, it's still there's still an actual tangible time element that you got to give to these guys to see which guy's hot. And during that time, you might already have bled five or six points, so that yeah. when you do find the guy who's hot, it doesn't really actually matter in the end. You're still a net negative, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah, they could use a they could use a bench score a little bit. Guy who can handle the ball a little bit, even like an Evan Turner. Ooh. Yeah. I don't. I, I, don't, I don't think Evan Turner is available. Or I mean, he's probably available, but I think he's worth much. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I this is this yeah. a game that like, I'm, I'm just like I'm not even sure how to approach it. Like, do they need like with Lowry out? Everyone was talking mm-hmm. to, like you know, do, do you need to try and get like Jeremy Lin or something like a, another playmaker? Do you need another? You need another. You need another scorer off the bench. But it's like, what kind of guy and whose role is he taking? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and then, look, ideally, the guy you're getting off the bench. For this wing, he has to have some playmaking ability as well because, you know, I, I think it'll be really difficult to consistently get offense out of your point guards against the Bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've already seen that. I I mean, on the one hand, that game was very comforting because it kind of – It was, it, yeah. It kind of it assured – just like the Utah game, it kind of assured like the, us that like the Raptors have this starting lineup and they have – like the Utah game was like we have the best player. Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. And the Bucks game, it's like we have the most versatile like starting lineup that can do a, li- a little bit of everything and there's not a lot of holes there. And that's without yeah. an all-star point guard. Like the fact that we're not even talking about the fact that Van Vliet like brought like 
everything. Yeah, that's exactly if Kyle Lowry can have twenty one points and eight assists and hit five threes in a series against the Bucks and average that, Raptors yeah. winning in five. Yeah, no, I know it's funny. And every loss they've had, the two losses he he, I think I I wrote this down that he went like three in the two games he was like three for what was it fifteen or nine? He had fifteen assists in a game, but he went over yeah. nine or something. And it's just like yeah, well yeah, fifteen assists because the Bucks ignore Surge and Pascal, and so he was able to get his assists, but. Yeah. So I mean, uh, by that metric, it's like okay, uh, three for nineteen. Jesus Christ, oh for fourteen from three. Kyle Lowry was in the yeah. two games against the Bucks. So you have to assume that's not going to happen again. Well, like, yeah. I mean, look, I'm, if his back issue is actually fixed, then yeah. But yeah, yeah. I guess what I'm getting at is like you can see a, a series here where you sweat out those few minutes where you have to play bench mm-hmm. the bench players. You you spurse them in so you don't you don't end up with all bench lineups. I mean that's that to me is the I don't want to put my Daniel Hackett on, hat on here, but it's like that to me is the obvious solution. You just figure out ways to, to you know use Kawhi and Lowry, yeah, and to a certain extent guys like Danny Green to sort of always make sure you have some stability and scoring ability somewhere. Yeah, and and then you and or spacing. And then you just you just weather the storm there to a certain extent of like who you know who's going to be doing what from the bench mm-hmm. and then and then you know you have a lockdown like five or six guys big or small that you can that you can play you know in any situation yeah and that and that's the one thing I really admire about the Bucks this year right I think maybe it comes down to coaching a little bit as well but the Bucks have consistently been able to get production out of their bench. That's why they have so many of these blowout wins. Like whenever you see a team that has like an average margin of victory, like 15 or whatever, that's like a sign that they have a great bench that can come in and extend leads. And I think that's what they did last night. Um, by the way, one thing that I, I saw a while back, um, and this was on Real GM, which has really grown on me this year, but um, okay. still a little bit negative just in general, but still sure. that's a, they got some good stuff in there. Um, so, Last year, if you look at the speed tracking data, right, and this is just like, you know, there's cameras in every arena and then they track every single player. It's a little freaky, but whatever. Um, The bench guys last year, Van Vliet, average speed, 4.7 miles per minute. Uh, Jakob Pertl, 4.7. DeLon Wright, 4.6. Pascal Siakam, 4.6, right? And, like, most of the bench guys are really fast. And if you look at this year's bench guys, they're much slower. Like, for example, JV, he's played a lot with the bench. His average speed is 3.9. Yeah. Uh, and then Pascal's been with the starters, right? Is and so, I that, just in general, the team is playing slower, especially off the bench. Now, is that because of because JV is with them now, and so he he is bringing the team? They have to sort of account for the fact that he is a slower player. I don't, I don't, I don't know specifically if that's the case. I mean, I, I think JV is a slower player, but I also think that like they're just not getting as many deflections. And really, one of the one of the successes of the bench last year was that they were able to run like three or four actions. Every yeah. single time down the floor, because Pirtle was a like really nimble, set a lot of screens. They also had multiple playmakers as well, and also CJ was an actual threat. So you take away CJ, yeah. you take away like the, the like the mobile guy. Even when Serge goes with the bench, he's not exactly mobile in terms of how he's playing. Like it's not like Pirtle. Pirtle was set like four or five screens. Yeah, and Monroe's obviously not that either. Um, and yeah, all of a sudden you're not getting that kind of does um, that opportunity on offense, and also you're not getting any. Like great defensive play off the bench. That's also a concern too. There's no offensive or defensive structure off the bench, which again is frustrating because it's like, <sighs> yeah, like Delon is a Delon and OG are have the tools to be solid mm-hmm. perimeter defenders. I mean, that's why everyone was high on OG. The fact that he's like he can like get out on guys and sort of muscle up inside. Uh, you know, 
like I don't I don't know what the solution is other than like there's still a way to stagger this team where it's like you know you can like for example take Kyle Lowry out of the game put Fred yeah. Van in his place yeah. and then have Lowry play with the bench just like you did a couple years ago and then you know then you have your Lowry JV pick and rolls mm-hmm. and ideally you get just enough shooting from someone Delon Norm OG uh, theoretically from CJ Miles and then you <laughs> that's that's your that's your offense that's your bench offense and then mm-hmm. you come back with Kawhi with the you know with the bench unit and it's like or you know you know like I mean there's a rotation there that makes sense and maybe you're going away from it during the regular season because you have to sort of eat through all these minutes but in the playoffs you could sort of see how it would work and uh, like I can already picture the box scores that it's going to be the five starters and then it's yep. going to be like 20 minutes from Fred and like 12 minutes from JV and then like you know three minutes for one of those other guys. And that's it. Like, there's just not enough. There's just no other way to like mm-hmm. win games. Like, you just like, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's do a quick preview of next week um, before we get to answer the questions. Um, so the Raptors play the Pacers later today. Let's make a prediction on that one. So no Kawhi. Uh, Kyle's apparently questionable. Nah, he, uh, that feels like a schedule loss to me. They 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 played less than twenty four hours ago, and they're not going to have their two main guys. And I mean, if they get really hot, or if you know, maybe Don and OG play well. Mm. The Pacers are really cooking right now, and I feel like I feel like the Raptors are are in tough. Yeah, and they're looking for revenge too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that ridiculous game. I was gonna say, yeah. I mean, look, they uh, after <laughs> the Raptors stole that win. Really, they stole that shit. Yeah. Um, the Pacers have won six straight. Now they haven't beat anyone impressive over that time. It's yeah. Brooklyn, which is actually not a bad win. Brooklyn's been yeah. playing well, but. You know, Washington, Atlanta, Detroit, Atlanta, Chicago. So it's not like a great six-game win streak. but And they've had to, you know, they went to OT with Chicago and had to have a lucky three from, you know, uh, Victor Oladipo to win that. But it's going to be tough. Yeah, I mean, look, if they don't have Kawhi, they don't have Lowry, then I don't know. If they do have Lowry, though, I'm interested to see how that game goes because, you know, Lowry's pretty important. And I don't want to count out the Raptors when they have Lowry. Like, they're just – they've consistently kind of overachieved. I, well, I will say this: that's that, that's that to me is Lowry's greatest skill. When Lowry's mm-hmm. in the game, guys like Delon and OG, they play better. Well, I mean, Lowry actually just knows what he's doing. The rest yeah. of the team kind of doesn't, you know. So, but that's but I'm just saying he puts them in positions to succeed, and I feel like that's one of his greatest skills. Like it mm-hmm. really is. That's why when people say he's the most important player, it's because Kawhi is a world on of himself. Mm-hmm. Like, to a certain extent, Lowry figures knows how to use all of his teammates. Yeah better and then as a result he gets better and then the team gets better so yeah. you know it'll be interesting yeah you're right if he if he does play tonight it'd be interesting but uh, i'm not holding my breath all right uh atlanta that's a win yeah yeah there's nothing to be said about that one brooklyn at home um the raptors have had a bit of trouble with brooklyn um and they obviously lost them earlier this year but uh at home that should be a win i mean brooklyn's just you know they've been, they've been they're plucky but their talent level is ultimately kind of low yeah, they're 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 a team that like I mean they're, they're gonna, sneaking they're up gonna, on teams because no yeah. one no one anticipates anything against the Nets and then the Nets just come in shoot a lot of threes and they have actually surprisingly decent rimmed protection with Jared Allen who's yeah. blocked I think LeBron, um, AD, Giannis, and Blake Griffin. Yeah, that's not bad. That's not yeah. bad. That's four of the best dunkers in the league right there. Uh, yeah, I, I will say with the Nets, they're going to be a team that like this year that I think will finish like seventh or eighth. Yeah. And okay. This, like, like, let's say they play the Raptors in the first round. Mm. They, the Raptors could beat them in four or five. Yeah, but it'll be like it'll be like a tough series because they're 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 not uh, really. I don't know about that, man. 
I mean, look, as much as the Raptors have always played tough playoff series, and I acknowledge that, but now nah, we should be taking care of the Bucks and, or and taking care of the Nets in five games, man. Come on. No, no, no. I'm saying we, no, lose, I mean, we lose game three in, in Brooklyn, and it's like a big thing for them, and then they close it out. I guess what I'm getting at is like they'll be they'll be close they'll be competitive games. Like okay. they'll be a tough out because they always seem to be a tough out. Man, what 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 team in the playoffs is not a tough out? I mean the Raptors, but um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, and then the Raptors finish the week by going to Washington to play the Wizards. That's oh, a, yeah. that's a win. The Wizards are, are very sad. Look, I wrote this column uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, maybe I didn't give it a good title, but I was trying to get at this idea that like. The teams that have embarrassed the Raptors in the playoffs, we want them to do bad. We just want them to be. We just want yeah. them to fall apart. And the Wizards, to me, are like, like the the Nets too. It's like these are teams that like made life difficult for the Raptors, and now they are like just in a bad place. And to be honest with you, I enjoy it. I enjoy that the Wizards are going to have to pay John Wall forty five million dollars as he gets more and more just exhausted. And I enjoy that the Nets have had to go on this like you know, like vision quest for years to try and dig themselves out of the hole. They put themselves in because of that trade, you know, and I, this, this fuels me, this sustains me. So playing the wizards and watching their just abject misery. It's great. I love it. Especially because the Raptors are going to take Bradley Beal from them too. All right. Uh, we're going to take a quick break right here. Uh, and on the other side, we're going to take some Twitter questions. I'm Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Injury Lawyers, and you know what makes me mad? When insurance companies deny your claim for no good reason. That's why people call me. I'm the lawyer insurance companies don't want to deal with. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Welcome back to the second half of the podcast. Still here with uh, Dan Reynolds. We are Dan Reynolds of Raptors HQ, by the way. Sorry, I should have said that out top. And and my name is actually Daniel. If you, if you really want to get that? into it. I said my name is actually Daniel if you really want to oh, get into it. come in. on. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there's another Raptor site out there that people read other than Raptor Republic. Yeah, yeah. I would say we're doing pretty well. Oh, okay, okay. All right. Um, the higher tide floats all boats kind of thing. But, um, all right. Let's, uh, let's, let's look at these Raptors questions. So, first one comes from our guy, Sham. How much would you prioritize gunning for the number one seed right now, even if the Raptors could match up against the Bucks slash Sixers slash Celtics without home court advantage in the playoffs? You'd have to think beating out Golden State's regular season record at least should be a goal. Oh, I would definitely make. You definitely want the number one seed. Yeah, I think. And like I think, overall, like in the whole league, or just in the East. I mean, it might be the best team might come out of the East anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm for, I'm actually fairly comfortable that they're going to finish with a better record than the Warriors. Yeah, the uh, Warriors are, and uh, because the Warriors don't care, like they're they're definitely like they don't care anymore. They're they mm-hmm. they're, they're they they're in third with like, and they finish a year with fifty four wins. Yeah, they're, yeah, we can still beat anyone, and we can still win the title, and they're not wrong. So yeah, but I don't think you want to get into a, you don't want to get into a seven game series with like Milwaukee or Boston and have oh, to go into game seven again. You know what I mean? Yeah, game like, seven in Boston. Ugh, yeah, that that'd nasty. be a pain. In the ass, you know? Yeah. But so we're, it, we're sweeping the Celtics, so, you know, game four in Boston might be nasty, uh, too. This is a different tune than you had in 2018. That's a different tune than what I had when the Raptors lost to the Spurs. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you got to ride the emotions, all right? Sometimes yeah, yeah. that's part of the that's part of the show. Um, so, yeah, like, I, 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 I like think it. the number one seed shouldn't be that hard, right? Because the, the difficult part of the Raptors' schedule is already over. 
Yeah, for the most part, yeah. yeah. I, I, unlike the 60-win plateau, which was kind of like a nice number to get, yeah, what, that's, home, I think home court advantage throughout the playoffs is like a, an, is like a, a real appreciable advantage. Yeah, for and sure. Like a bunch of teams that you, like like for example, the Bucks, where you kind of could say that they draw even, like the Bucks and them, or let's say, are match up mm-hmm. very easily, mm-hmm. uh, then the home court advantage is an advantage. So I think that's something that you, if that's why that win last night really meant a lot because if they lost, then they then the tiebreaker's over. Yeah. So, you know, I think they're they're going to be wrestling with the Bucks all year. So I think it's important to try and come out on top. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the schedule right now. The Bucks have played 22 games at home and 16 on the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the Raptors have had a much more balanced schedule, but also the Raptors have gone out west twice. And they've done all their late games. You know what I mean? So they've done well in those contests. Yeah, yeah. That's that's where Kyle Lowry has really developed this season. I mean, that the Raptors have played 19 at home and 22 on the road. So the Raptors' schedule for the rest of the season is going to be a lot easier than the Bucks. And who knows? I mean, generally speaking, the sign of a um, like the sign of uh, future health is really predicted by previous health. So the Raptors, you know, they've had some injuries, but also. The Bucks have not had any serious injuries whatsoever. That's one of the things that has been really underrated. I mean, the Raptors have been healthy this whole time. Might be a different story. Yeah. Whereas the Bucks, they played the same starting five every goddamn day. Imagine that. Yeah, what a what a luxury. Yeah. Yeah. Um so anyway, we'll see. Um next question from Vin. Is White Casey, I mean Nick Nurse, really that creative? His system relies too much on just one player, Larry. Sounds like a coach we know pretty well. This well, White Casey moniker is hilarious. Well, I'm not going to call him White Casey. That somehow feels insulting to both guys. But yeah. but I, I guess what I'm wondering when people talk about creativity and coaching is like what do they what do they imagine him doing? Like what is it? Like I like I feel this I, is like, the same thing with all sports. You know what I mean? They well, always imagine some like brilliant shit that the coach could be doing. Well, I think I think the thing is is like you look at it. I think one of the more creative coaches in recent NBA history is someone like Don Nelson. Someone was yeah. talking about how he was ahead of his time. Yeah, he he tried a lot of wacky things, but a lot of those wacky things were were because like his rosters were like wacky or not good. Yeah, he had to like max. He had to like maximize, or he had weird players. Like he had guys like Dirk Nowitzki who were like like historic outliers. Mm-hmm. So it's like so he had to do wacky things. What's fascinating is like a team like the Bucks. They had a quote unquote creative coach in Jason Kidd who like was replaced by a guy who now now it's like they Budenholzer runs like the offense you should run in the modern NBA mm-hmm. and they're much better for it. Like you don't have to get creative. You don't have to outthink right. yourself. Well, so I, my thing with the with Nurse is like he has been creative in like solving problems. Like okay, we're we're down here. We're yeah. gonna run a zone and match up yeah. and go small and try and hustle back into the game and it works. Or last night, we're going to extend their starters because they're the only ones that are making this happen, and it works. Hmm. Like you, you know, like there. To me, it's like the the quote unquote creativity is like seeing what finding out, like trying something, not being afraid to try something, figuring out that it works, mm-hmm. and doing. It. And Casey, to his credit, was was could do that too. Like the year where they had, where they, before the year before they traded for Surge and PJ Tucker. Uh, they he had Patterson injured and he was running like dual centers at four or five because they had to like he was yeah. trying different things to try and get the Raptors wins because well I mean it was he was being creative because he had to be 
So I think there's like a if he if he had a starting power forward, he would have played a starting power forward, but he didn't. So he had to try something different. Yeah, I also think that uh, in terms of just specifically with basketball, sometimes you have less talent. It really helps you because then you can really just implement a system and tell everyone where to go. And I think generally speaking, the best coaches are always the ones. Or the ones, not the best coaches, but the ones that get the most credit are usually the ones that run these like very system type of offenses, almost like a college team. Like the classic case is like the Celtics, right? Like they didn't have a lot of talent in re- like previous years, yeah. but especially not star talent. But uh, Brad Stevens was able to implement a system and all the players listened to him and they executed. And that's great. That's a great part of coaching. And that's what makes Stevens a good coach. But you see now with Stevens having, you know, like actual stars, like it's difficult for him to even get that to work, which is yeah. very strange because it's kind of backwards. But um, well, the I, Nets I think, are the example. The Nets are the example. The Nets are exa- another example. Yeah, they, same they, thing with the Jazz. Yeah, they have a they have a talent gap, but they're always competitive because mm-hmm. they have a system. And yeah, they they know that the modern NBA is about shooting threes, so they have a lot of guys who are shooting threes. They may not hit a lot of threes, but mm-hmm. the point is like they have a system in place to, that puts them in a position to take advantage of where what the league is now. Yeah. And then, yeah, the gap is they don't have a top five or top ten player, mm-hmm. right? And if you do, what's so, what's so bad about relying on that guy? Like, I mean, that's what the Rap- well, that's what Raptors fans have always wanted, right? An actual – well, I mean, that's the issue in previous years was when you rely too heavily on guys like DeMar DeRozan in the playoffs, that might not translate because their production is right. going to go down. Or but Chris if that guy's Kawhi Leonard, I don't know. It's, it's yeah. a little bit different. But I, I do see his point, though, in the sense that, like, um, this expectation that Nick Nurse is going to come in and sort of bring out the best qualities of all these other guys, that hasn't really translated, right? Like, if you look at development, right? The Raptors players yeah. took a big step last year. And Nick Nurse got a lot of credit for that because his offensive changes yeah. were implemented then. But the same offense isn't really being run this year, especially because the bench has been really trash. And so, I, I don't know. I mean, Nick Nurse has, like, I agree with you, has, like, really made good in-game adjustments throughout the entire season. I don't think he's had a lot of missteps there. Um, yeah. And he's been, and when you when you hear him talk about it in post game interviews, he's really insightful, and you could really understand his process, and I, and I appreciate that about him. Yeah. Uh, almost too insightful, you know what I mean? <laughs> but um, I, I certainly don't mind his members of media. But I mean, yeah, I, I think that uh, in terms of just running the system and something like that, I mean, it's also been difficult because Kyle's been out. But you know, yeah. the Raptors have had sort of more inconsistencies this year than previous years, and whether that's attached to injury or attached to the coaching change. Well, Who really knows. It's a, it's a, it just becomes this exponential problem. It's like you have, you have a new, like you have a new core guy, like you have a new central figure in your, in mm. your that that mutates everything else the team is doing, uh, you know. And then you have injuries, and then you have a new coach trying to implement different things. So it's like it, it just kind of it, it, the any sort of discombobulation is sort of easier to explain. Yeah. And at a certain point, it almost becomes a benefit to tr- try and just do simple stuff. Again, don't try and outthink yourself because it's like sometimes you just need that continuity. Like just run a pick and roll. You don't need some elaborate thing. Just yeah. run a pick and roll, set a good screen, generate a shot. You don't need to do some crazy thing because it just it just overly confuses everyone. Yeah, for sure. All right. Um, next one from Chicks Dig Delon Ball. Oh, yeah. Ironic because Delon can't shoot it. Uh, if we're desperate for shooting, like some people think we are, I mean, I, I don't think some people, I think we're all pretty, uh, on the same page with the Raptors not having enough shooting. Uh, where can we find emergency relief? Who are some possible names? Well, we were talking the other day about like a uh, playmaker, uh, playmaker shooters, like guys like Jeremy Lin and like, mm-hmm. you know, someone mentioned JJ Barea, 
or like yeah, um, no, I'm, I'm good. Have, have you seen JJ Bray play outside of Dallas? It's it's really bad. Fair enough, fair yeah. enough. Or, or even someone like Devin Harris yeah, or okay. uh, same, dude, same a, guy, a guy, a guy, uh, the guy Joe Mullinax who runs the Memphis uh, Memphis uh, SB Nation blog, Fair yeah. uh, Blues, messaged me because he was checking to see like what trade the Raptors would be interested in. Like, uh-huh. do you trade? Would you trade? Let me look this up. Would you trade? Um, talking about Shelvin Mack, man. Come on. No, no, no. But would you okay. trade for Jermichael Green? What? Would you trade for uh, Phil Sell? Oh, sorry, not Phil Sell. Wayne Selden? Nah, that's that's going to be a hard no on both. Okay. I don't think Jermichael Green is um, – I just don't think he really fits what the Raptors want to do. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. I'm just I'm just like, well, where where what other shooters are there? Is uh-huh. Troy Daniels still around? Can he shoot? I mean, come on, man. I'd just rather have Fair Van Vliet. At least Van Vliet can dribble a little bit. Maybe he yeah. dribbles too much, but you can at least physically dribble. Well, this is sort of the catch, right? It's like yeah. everyone's like, you need more shooting. It's like it's like well, in baseball, or like you need more pitching. It's like, yeah, well, yeah, good pitchers is only a half, or you need a good quarterback. It's like, yeah, but there's only like five of them. So it's like, what are you going to do? Well, well, one way to look at this is like, which teams are actually going to sell, right? I think the yeah. Knicks are going to sell, the Cavs are going to sell, the Bulls are going to sell, yeah. uh, the Wizards should sell. They're kind of iffy, but I think they probably will sell. Atlanta's so, going to sell. Orlando's <laughs> iffy, but I think actually Orlando wants to make the playoffs this year. Make um, a trade for Terrence Ross. I'm not getting Terrence Ross, man. Stop <laughs> trying to trade Terrence Ross back onto the Raptors. No, I'm done. I'm good. Good shooter. Yeah. Have you, bro, his playoff numbers are so bad. Okay, okay. But the point is, okay, so basically what you're saying is there's a handful of bad teams. Who are the who are the shooters on those teams? Uh, I mean, that's why you get so much interest in a guy like Wayne Ellington, for example. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's a knockdown guy. But, I mean, the one thing with Ellington is that he's a little bit C.J. Miles-like for me. You know I, I mean? Because he, right. he kind of takes bad erratic shots, and he does make a huge number of them. But I, it's just something about it that I don't quite trust. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I don't even want a guy that necessarily wants to run around and make these crazy shots or whatever. I just want a guy who will consistently catch and shoot and finish. That's it. Here's Okay, so Ellington this year, ooh. Is his, are his numbers down? Oh, no, he's still he's still shooting. His numbers are a bit down. He's shooting thirty six and a half percent. By the way, Miami this, leads the Southeast right now. Yeah, I was gonna say Miami doesn't want to move on Wayne Ellington. They need him. They need it. He's like one of the only guys on that team who can shoot. Yeah, he's the thing is he's falling down the the, the depth chart for them a little bit because they got guys like Magruder and you know Spolstra likes to play defense more than he likes to play offense. Yeah, I guess I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, Miami to me is one of the most boring teams in the league. I don't care about them at all. But I mean, yeah. if you could. I mean, if you could get Wayne Ellington, sure. But again, it, it always comes back to it's just like it's the Patrick Patterson problem. It's like the one guy you have to trade is the guy, mm-hmm. like like you know you can trade CJ Miles because he has a, a bigger salary and you know uh, you know he's useless. But it's like yeah, but every team knows that. So why would they want to make a trade for him? Like yeah. why would they like you know if he was coming if he was in the last year of his deal, you could sort of argue that it's a a contract that's coming right. off the. And you could take on like a Courtney Lee or whatever, who has yeah. another year left on this deal. But a, yeah. I don't think the Raptors want to take on future money because they... it's going to be a busy summer anyway. It's yeah. going to be pretty cramped. Like you don't want to take on more money when you got to resign Danny and Kawhi and stuff like that. But it would have yeah. been nice if they'd gotten in the Kyle Korver sweepstakes a little earlier in the, in the season. I don't know how he just got and got shuffled out of there. But yeah, I mean that's that's a guy. What that's a guy. I think a lot of Raptors fans talked about him. But yeah, you know. He and was, I was reminded that Channing Fry is still in the league. I didn't even know he was still playing. No, come on, man. You don't want him. You don't want Channing Fry. He can't physically move. He's a he's a podcaster at this point. 
Okay, well, yeah. all right. It's like if we trade it for whichever podcast I can actually shoot, you know? It's like if we trade it for you, for example. Oh. Yeah, I think I, you're the only podcaster that can shoot. I, I, I really am. Although Woodley had that one shot at the tournament. I, that I was, like, pretty I, impressive. I am delighted that you think I can shoot. I, I really don't think that's oh, my... My strength. Uh, I played yesterday. And I couldn't get, couldn't. Get, I hit a couple of shots, but I, I want to run the pick and roll, man. I want to get on the pick yeah. and roll, and I want to get to the rim. Yeah, and you want to get to that little floater of yours. Yeah, well, that one wasn't falling last yesterday either, man. Anyway, all right. Well, okay, uh, next question. Next question. No next question. Shoot. All right. Uh, what do we got? I'm skipping a couple of these because we've already touched on a lot of it. Um, this one from Ahmed is uh, Norman Powell the most valuable bench player since his return. Well, you know what? Uh, he's been the he's been the he's been the best bench player. Mm. It's not saying I, much. I mean, okay. Well, Fred is the most valuable bench player because he's he can play with the starters, and you and you don't really you don't completely notice like the fact that we're not even talking about Fred Lee, who is the most important important bench player, but because he's playing with the starters, we're not talking about him. But mm. other than Fred, like Norm is kind of. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's better. Been better than Delon in the last couple of games. Am I crazy? No, I guess Delon had a couple of good minutes against Utah. Mm. No, nah, I would say he's been better. Even then, a Utah game, Norm was better. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, and then like OG, I, you know, I, I don't know what to make of him right now. Ooh. So, well, that's one. That's another one of these questions uh, from Elias. Do you think of? Can you? Do you think any of OG's struggles are related to him being moved to the bench? You know what? I don't know, man. Like he's been shooting really poorly from three, and, and for the free throw line, he can't shoot at all right now. And and I don't know if that's like his wrist is bothering him. I don't know if it's just like he needs like a point guard to create better shots for him. Mm-hmm. You know, OG's in this in this in this weird gap right now where it's like on the like you don't want to trade him because you no. don't want like in a couple of years you don't want him to be like the player you hoped he would be. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the Raptors are in this situation where it's like, if they could get an upgrade yeah. in that spot, they would. But they don't want to. They don't want to have to sacrifice OG to get that upgrade. Yeah. But you can you can envision a scenario where they're like, you know, in the conference finals or in the finals, and it's like you look down that bench and you're like, oh no, like, mm-hmm. can we trust these guys? And it's like, uh, I don't know. The funny thing with OG this year is that it's not entirely different from what he did last season. It's just that expectations were more very different, right? Last, yeah. last year he was like definitively out and out the fifth option. He had yeah. a couple big games, um, but every single one of those times he was the fifth option. All he had to do was play defense and occasionally hit an open shot, right? Um, and he had better playmakers around him. He had Kyle feeding him. He had DeMar DeRozan feeding him. This yeah. year off the bench, the whole bench has really struggled. So he's had to take on a little bit more like actual offensive responsibilities, and I think it's interesting that his usage rate has jumped four percent, and his true shooting percentage has dropped eight percent. I think those are directly correlated. Yeah, right? because he's had to do more offensively. Um, you know, his, his efficiency has dropped a little bit. Also, you know, he he's breaking a couple of free throws, and and the threes are not dropping at the same rate. But like, really, he shot thirty seven percent last year on three attempts or two point seven attempts. This year, he's at thirty three on three point five. It's not that different. Like, if he hit okay. three, four, four threes, it'd be about the same percentage, right? Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash. Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 
99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. When people ask, Regina, do you like to compete? I say, bring it on. Those are the moments that drive you to achieve more. And when you win, you keep reaching higher. To me, that's what the Cadillac Escalade represents. It's always evolving in technology, in design, everything. Because success isn't the end. It's just the first step to what comes next. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving.